Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you here today. Turn the lights up in the house, please, all of them. Thank you. And uh, if you can find a switch. And we thank you. I want to see who's here. It uh, is amazing to be able to see you this week because last week we had uh, snow and it ended up messing with our our, uh, attendance here. We had an incredible online presence last weekend. And I want to welcome those of you that are watching online, those of you in the venue next door, those of you in the parking lot. We welcome everyone today and say to you, you are never a stranger when you're in your father's house. He loves you. We welcome you. We're happy that you're here to be able to worship God today. I want to share some excellent news with you. Our church here ends in April. New year begins in May. But we always watch the calendar when it comes up here to the end of one year and turns into another. And we ask you, if you would, to help out everybody together, to help out with year-end giving. And we have a very strong budget at our church, a couple million dollars. And we thank God that through the pandemic, we were able to have every bill paid to date. We thank you for that. Praise the Lord for that. We don't have much surplus really at all, but we have every bill paid. And I wanted to tell you that because we ask everybody to give together. And I praise the Lord for that up to this moment. Here too, up to now, the Lord has helped us. May he continue to do so in the future. So I thank those of you online that are giving, those of you right here that are giving, and in the other services that are giving. And I want to thank all of you for serving through the Christmas season and all of you for helping out in the various ways that you have helped out and served to make ministry possible through the wonder of the, of the year. And now we're in this 2020 year and it is unfolded a few days in. We have zero idea really of what the future might be. I could stand here and give you all kinds of forecasts, thoughts, and ideas of what that might look like, but I'm certain that I would miss it by quite a bit. But I am certain of one thing, God never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and He is with us, and He is for us, and He is here to minister to us in this day, today, right now, and in this week, and in this year. He has not been overwhelmed. He's not surprised. Pandemic hasn't caught Him. Uh, with a shock. Nothing in our nation has, nothing in your life has. He knows what's going on, and so he is able to help us today. And I thank God for that. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to open up to 1 Chronicles chapter 28 and verse 20 to a powerful passage of Scripture that has been read just a little earlier in the service. And as we consider this passage, we need to know the context of this. David, who had blood on his hands, was not going to be able to build the holy temple. They did not have a temple. They needed a temple, and he was wanting one constructed. He knew in his heart, he knew in his head, it needed to happen. But God said, you're not going to be able to do that, but your son Solomon will. So David says, well, then I'll get all the supplies ready for him, that whenever it's time to do what is to be done, he will have them ready for him, and he will be able to move ahead. But he also understands life, and he understands situations of life. And David began to write to his son and let him know, I want you to understand some things about God. I want you to understand some things about life. David had been king. David had served with excellence. As a matter of fact, he is one that they still refer to in Israel as the one who was a great king. And so they recognized him then as a superior person and having superior experiences. So when he writes to Solomon, he is truly as a father to a son, but he's also as a king to a future king. 
And he's saying to him, I want to talk to you about what God has in mind for you as you begin this journey into your future. And I want to talk to you about your journey into your future today. Dr. Jess Moody was leading a Bible study, and he had a number of people that were assembled for that group, and he decided he would give that day a short message devotional on the subject of death. Now, that sounds a little foreboding and sounds very grim, but it's one appointment all of us have, all of us will make, all of us will keep. You will not be late to that appointment. You may feel late, you may grow long in the tooth, but you will have an appointment, and I promise you, you'll keep it. You'll be there one day. So he said this about death. He said, first, you can fight it. Everybody tries to fight it for a while, right? You can take flight from it. You can try to run from it. And then he said, you can make a deal with God. Simple outline, good outline. In the audience that day was Rose Kennedy, small group gathered. And she came up to him later, and she, she said to him, she said, I did that. She said, I made a deal with God. When I married my husband, strong, wonderful guy, we were socialites. We hit every highbrow party we could hit in social event. We one day learned that we were expecting a child and we were so excited and with that child, we were anticipating, you know, our life expanding, our love expanding. And she said, then our child was born. We were so excited. But then we began to notice something was wrong, something's not right. So we took our child to the doctor and said, what's up? The doctor evaluated our child and said, your child has a mental retardation problem and never will improve. She said, my world was crashed. My life was crashed. My expectations, my joy, all of it gone. She said, I was mad at God. Have you ever felt questions? about a decision God has allowed? She did. She said, I was mad at my husband. Have you ever been mad at the closest people around you? She was. She said, and I was just not wanting to be around my friends. I wanted to withdraw. Have you ever wanted to withdraw from those people around you? She said, that was me. And one day there was an event happening in our area, and it was an event a lot of people would attend, and it was something that we normally would go to. But she said, when I began to get ready and my husband got ready, we both decided that because I was so angry, I might act out in a way that would be so ridiculous that it would embarrass me and embarrass him and get us into some kind of trouble. And she said, so we decided we would not go. She said, one day our maid came into the room where I was, and she said to me, Mrs. Kennedy, I love you. But I've noticed the last number of weeks, you have been very, very different. I don't want this event in your life to ruin your life. And then she said this, Mrs. Kennedy, you will never be happy until you make your heart a manger where the Christ child may be born. Rose Kennedy said, I fired her on the spot. What would you have done? I fired her on the spot. 
But that night when I went to bed, I couldn't sleep. And I couldn't sleep because those words kept coming back into my mind. Her sweet face appeared in my, in my mind. Just the kindness of her was there. And I began to wrestle with those thoughts and with those ideas and with what she said. And finally, Rose Kennedy's words, not mine. She said, I have loved Christ all my life. I tried to be a good Catholic. But now I knelt beside my bed and I prayed. Dear God, make my heart a manger where the Christ child may be born. And she said, I felt a fresh divine entry into my life. And there was born in me a love for retarded children. Something she could not change. David knew that there would be detractors. David knew there would be challenges. David knew there would be people that would look at Solomon when he's building the temple. David knew there would be people that would question the ornateness and the magnificence of that first temple, which far exceeded any church building and ornateness of any building anywhere in the world ever. And he says to him these words of encouragement. He says to these words of hope. And these are words of instruction that will help each one of us be able to journey through 2021 with victory in our heart and success in our relationship with Christ. The first word, if you're ready for it, say yes. Be strong and courageous. Look at verse 20. And do the work. Many found strength and courage in life when they turned to God. They found strength and they found courage for life when they turned to God. The Apostle Paul had been a great example of the believer. He had done many things with excellence for Christ. He would write much of the New Testament, some 13 books or so. He would give to us a lot of examples of what it was to be a missionary and share your faith in Christ, even in challenging days and troubling times. The apostle experienced not only life around him that was unusual, but he experienced personal situations in his own situation that caused him great challenge and could have been a disconnect point in his faith. He could have said, I'm suspending my faith right here. I'm not going to give you any more, God, because I'm going through enough in my life just the way it is. But he's been incarcerated, he's been beaten, he's been arrested, he's had all these things happen. He's had people that have hated him and questioned him and all sorts of setbacks. But now he's faced with his physical limitation of some kind. I don't know what it is. That gives us hope because we can put ourselves in his story. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. He says, I went to God three times in prayer and said, would you remove, remove, remove? And God did not remove the problem in his life. God may not remove the problem in your life. And then he said this. God says to him, my strength comes into its own in your weakness. God says, my strength. In other words, I'm seen bigger, more often, in a better light, when you are a cracked vessel. When you are a vessel that may even question what's going on. Isaiah, Isaiah said this in chapter 49 and verse 50 of his writing. And now the Lord speaks, who commissioned me to bring Israel back to him. 
That was a big assignment, wasn't it? The Lord has honored me, and my God has given me strength. He was strong and courageous. Listen to this. In the work God had called him to do, what has God called you to do this year? What does God want you to do right now in your life? Make an adjustment in a relationship? Maybe he wants you to do something in your educational journey? Maybe he wants you to do something in your occupation? Maybe it's something in your neighborhood? Maybe there is something in your thought life? Maybe there's some habits that you need to engage and embrace. I don't know what it is, but you know he's speaking to you. And Joshua chapter 10 and verse 25, Joshua says to the people, do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. Be strong and be courageous. This is what the Lord will do to all the enemies you're going to fight. Those enemies of thought, those enemies of discouragement, those enemies that are suppressing and oppressing you around you. He says, be strong and be courageous. In other words, when I looked up what it really means behind the scene, what it meant before all the translation, it means be strengthened and be mightily encouraged. That's what it means here. Be mightily encouraged. Don't just have a good day. No, 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 no. Don't just get by. No, 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 no. Be mightily encouraged. Let's say it. Mightily encouraged. And that's what happened to the peoples. They went in and claimed their land. And David knew Solomon would need strength. He knew there would be days that his own strength was not enough. He knew there would be times whenever on his own he would not be sufficient. He knew there would be things that would come along and accusations and questions and attitudes and all kinds of length of project that would wear him down. And his resolve and his stamina could be challenged. He also knew that he needed to be courageous. And David knew what it was to be courageous. He had faced the wild animals. He had faced Goliath trying to kill him. He had faced his son, Absalom, trying to kill him. He knew what it was to be courageous and to carry on and to stand for God. even after. And David also knew what it was to fail and to come back and be embarrassed about it, yet still accept God's forgiveness, Psalm 51 and other penitential psalms, and then stand before the people with a clear conscience before God and a question mark coming from the people. And so he says to him, I want you to be courageous. Sometimes like Rose Kennedy and sometimes like David knew Solomon would experience, there will be days in our life when we will not feel the hand of God. We will not feel the gentle breeze of the morning. And we're going to have to call on our trust I asked Pam to sing about that right now. And she's going to sing this song. I think it will encourage you. Then I'll be back to preach. All things work for our good. Though sometimes we can't see how they could. Struggles that break our hearts in two. Sometimes blind us to the truth But our Father knows what's best for us His ways are not our own So when your pathway grows dim And you just can't see Him
is too wise to be mistaken. God is too good to be unkind. So when you don't understand, when you can't see his plan, when you can't trace his hand, trust his heart. He sees the master plan And he holds our future in his hands So don't live as those who have no hope All our hope is found in him We see the present clearly the first and the last and like a tapestry he's weaving you and me to someday be just like him God is too wise to be mistaken God is too good to be unkind so when you don't understand, when you don't see his plan, when you can't trace his hand, trust his heart. He alone is faithful and true. He alone knows what is best for you. God is too to be mistaken God is too good to be unkind so when you don't understand when you don't see his plan when you can't trace his hand just trust his Amen. The scripture says, do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord my God is with you. Fear comes as a passenger and sits down in our car and we're driving along, and before very long it dominates the discussion. It tends to cloud and fog up the windshield of our life, and all we can do is begin to have fear wrapped in different packages. His vapor fills the atmosphere and pervades our very existence. You know what I'm talking about. We have anticipatory anxiety. We start anticipating everything that's going to happen and might happen and think about what will happen. But we let, if we're not careful, we let fear triumph over our faith. And at the end of the day, all of the music this morning has been reminding you Reminding me as we go into 2021 that no matter what happens and what comes our way, that there is a God in heaven and he is in control. Discouragement comes calling. And David asked a question. And maybe you ought to ask this question. 
Some of you watching, maybe this is a question you need to ask yourself. If you've been living in fear and paralysis, and perhaps you've never felt comfortable moving ahead with life. David asked it in Psalm 42, verses 5 and 6. These are questions to himself. Self-evaluation. He didn't pay a counselor for these. But they're great questions. He said, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God, he says. I'll put my hope squarely in God. I will praise him again, my Savior, my God. Now, right now, he says, I am deeply discouraged. But he knows the path out, and he says, I will, I will remember you. Spouse may have walked out. Diagnosis might be grim. Job may be different than you thought. Professor may be harder than you anticipated. Outcomes of politics may differ from your own hopes. You may be tired, and you may be intimidated, and you may be overwhelmed, and your thoughts may be different. You may look at limited resources and questions about the future, but God, but God. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2 gives us great admonition. I love this. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished the race that we are in. He knows what it is to start the race that we are in, and he knows what it is to go through all the crud. And that's what David is saying to Solomon. You've started out, but he says, don't stop. Keep going. Continue to trust God. Continue to look to God. And when you look to God, you'll find the answers you need. You'll find his will, his pattern, his plan. His kingdom is not of this earth. His kingdom is of heaven. So build the temple that the people might worship him and get a warm-up on what's going to happen in the future. Every weekend we gather here, it is a warm-up of what our future is about. It is a warm-up of what eternity will be. It will be more than a worship service, thank God. I don't want to stand there and sing forever, and I don't want to listen to a preacher drone on. Hebrews 12 and 2 says it this way. Keep your eyes on Jesus. If you're new to the faith, write this verse down. You need this one. Everything else will come calling and want you to look at it. Fear, discouragement, doubt. Keep your eyes on Jesus who began the race that we are in, and he finished the race because he never lost sight of where he was headed. And then notice what David says to him in verse 20. He said, do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord my God is with you. He has called you to this day. He has called you to this story. He has called you to this generation. He has called you to this moment in history. Solomon, he knows what you're getting ready to do. I'm not the one to do it, but you are the one to do it. And since you're the one to do it, we hand to you the baton. We hand to you what's going on. Be courageous, he says. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. The Lord my God is with you. Bethany Hamilton was enjoying something her family loved to do. She was out surfing. She had done this since she was a little child. Her brothers, her parents, they were all surfers. They lived in Hawaii. What else would you do? Eat pineapple, surf, it would be the life. Suffering there for Jesus. But one day she did have something happen that absolutely changed her life. A tiger shark came out and nailed her in the left arm, took her arm off. She lost most of the blood in her body. They thought she might die, but she lived. 
She relied on her Christian faith and the courage that she had. And a month later, she returned to the water and to surfing. Eventually, she would win awards. A movie was made about her. A book writing was made about her. And she was looking at her whole life, and she says this, being out there in in the ocean, in God's creation, it's like a gift he has given for us to enjoy. She then married a youth pastor, Adam Dirks, and they have a couple of kids, and they're in a ministry to surfers and in a ministry to people sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Do not be afraid. Things happen to you. Do not be discouraged. And then there is one more thought, and this would be the last of the three I wanted to share, and that's this. Look at verse 20. God will not fail you or forsake you to the very end. Do the work you're supposed to do. Don't stop. Things may happen, but don't quit. Everyone won't love you all the time. Everyone won't even like you all the time. Sometimes you may not like yourself. Sometimes you, like Jesus, was hanging on the cross, and he sent a question to God. It was his toughest question in his most difficult hour. When he said, directing his question to God, and not to his mom standing down there, and not to all the other people that had followed him as disciples, he directed his toughest question to God, and he said, my God, why have you forsaken me? Bethany losing an arm could have said, I've got my whole life ahead of me. Will anybody marry me? Will will, will I have any kind of future? Will I have grandkids? But she says, yes, I'm going to continue to trust in God. And I know many of you do the same thing in whatever situation it is. People are going to let us down. David says, God will not fail you. He will not forsake you. Sometimes God will seem inactive. He will seem disinterested in your requests. But remember, he is always there and he is always aware. And he's always up to something. And you can't see it and he doesn't explain it. Isn't that the mystery of reading through Job? The book of Job, you read through it and guess what? God doesn't obligate himself to answer all of Job's questions, does he? Nor his friends. But yet God is it. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote to his twin sister and said this, It is good to learn early enough that suffering and God are not a contradiction, but rather in unity. For the idea that God himself is suffering is one that has always been one of the most convincing teachings of Christianity. I think God is nearer to suffering than to happiness. To find God in this way gives peace and rest. And then he said, a strong and courageous heart. In Psalm 37, verse 25, David put it this way, once I was young. Can anybody in the house say once you were young? And now I am old. Can any of you say you've become a fossil? (laughs) Yet look what he says. Can any of you say this? Yet I have never seen the ungodly, or I've never seen the godly abandoned. He said, I've never seen the godly abandoned. Hebrews chapter 13 and 5. If you're newer to the faith, write it down. If you're a long time in the faith, remind yourself of this. God puts it this way, New American Standard Bible. You need it in your mind. I will never desert you, nor will I ever abandon you. There are five negatives to explain a positive in the original writing of that. It is saying this, I will never, never, ever, no never, not even leave you. It is talking about the impossibility of Christ forsaking us. 
It is impossible for him to forsake us. And he says, God will not forsake you, not even through the finish line. When I was a kid and we were playing baseball, when you run to the base at baseball, you run, a lot of people just run to first base and they slow down because they say, well, now I'm getting to my destination. And they make it out in the last two or three steps because they slow down thinking I'm making it. You don't do that. Those of you that played ball, you know that you run through the base. Am I right? You go through first base full speed and turn to the right so they can't throw and get you out. If you turn to the left, you're in play. They can throw a relay and get you out. And what he's saying here is God is going to be with us forever. Clear through the finish line. He says, Solomon, you're going to start the most incredible temple. I've accumulated the stuff for you. Now build it and don't quit. Don't ever quit. Ladies and gentlemen, God is alive today. Jesus has died and he has risen from the dead. The Bible is ours. The Holy Spirit is here. We have the avenue of prayer, no limit on minutes. We have the privilege of gathering and assembling as we are. We have the beauty of this moment, of this hour, of this day. God has gifted you with gifts and abilities and graces. Knock off the complaining. Get busy doing his will while we have a little time on earth to do it. One day he will return and he will take us home. Let's stay busy doing the work he has called us to do. That's what we're here to do. I want to bring this message in for a landing. Can I get a witness in that? No. I want to bring this message in for a landing. Some people say, Pastor, you sure preach long. Well, I time myself and I go back and look and usually it's less than 30 minutes, but today not so much. Leonard Sweet. I've met Leonard. I've had lunch with Leonard. He is a fellow that studies churches and writes a lot. And he's one who understands our times pretty well. He also knows how to tell a story. And he began to tell the story of a tradition among Native Americans that I have shared on occasions past. The Native Americans, to help a boy on the night of his 13th birthday, would take him out in the woods, and they would say to him as they went out late in the afternoon, you're going to stay here through the night as you become now a young man. That would be intimidating. That would be foreboding. That would be scary. For as the sun went on down and the clouds grew, before very long the night sounds became real. And with them came all kinds of emotion and thoughts, apprehensions. He heard an owl hoot. He heard a coyote howl. The wind would play havoc with the leaves and sitting there on the floor of the forest. He could imagine, how close is that? What is that? Could that be? Am I about to be eaten up? What's going on? Making it through the rest of the night. The sun starting to come up in the daytime. As the sun begins to make its way and now shoots some beams into the forest, coming through its canopy and now lighting the bottom of the floor, he begins to see more clearly what's around him. And he begins to see on the path that they had led him down to bring him to this point, there is a figure and it is a human being. And as it gets a little bit brighter and lighter, he sees that it is his father. His father has been standing there armed throughout the entire night. He couldn't see him. 
He didn't know it. He had no conversations that he got responses for. He was there through the night being a young boy, being transitioned into a young man. And let me tell you today, you're being transitioned from glory into glory. And your night is turning to your day. And God is for you. And if he is for you, who can be against you? And who can separate you from the love of God? That is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I'm happy to be an ambassador for him today to you. I've never preached this passage in my life. But when it came to me last week, I said, that is it. I interrupted anything I had planned. For months ago, I had planned. And I said, God, you're speaking to me. And I had no idea the strength of this message. Whenever, at the end of last week, I prepared it and refined it through the week and came in here on Thursday and recorded it. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me just like he's spoken to me this morning. He is with us. Let's pray. God, you're always present in our trials. Your presence is unseen, but it is more real than life itself. This morning, if our eyes could open, we could see what you see. We would see many adversaries from the demonic realm doing their work to tear down everything we have ever known. Everything we know to be true, everything we have known to be true. To discourage every believer here and around the world to give up on you. But we don't embrace that part of the invisible. For we know also you have an amazing army, an angel army. The Lord of hosts, the scripture says, you are with us. And so today, open our eyes that we may see what you see. That you are definitely God and you are definitely in control and you definitely own the whole world. And one day you will come. And among those that will still be faithful to you, you will reward lavishly, abundantly, even wildly on that day. May we be among those in that group. In your name, keep us strong. Keep us doing the work you've called us to do as individuals in our individual lives and together as a body of believers until the day we see you in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand together and sing.